Well, good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRNAM for Monday, November 6th, 2023. And our top story today, we take a look at the retirement security rule. It's a new rollout from the Biden administration, the Department of Labor. And here to break it all down, he is one half of the legal eagles. Kevin Walsh is a principal with Groom Law Group. Kevin, it's always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Jeff, it's always good to be on, and this was an exciting week in retirement news. It is, and and uh, I should also mention that we both are at the Spark Forum this week, so it's just before the kickoff. Kevin was very gracious to come on the program. Kevin, the White House, the Department of Labor, releasing the new retirement security rule. I want to get your reaction before we get into the weeds on this. So, what's your reaction when you when you read the announcement? You saw uh, Secretary Sue or Acting Secretary Sue, Assistant Secretary uh, Lisa Gomez. What was your reaction? I mean, and we saw the president uh, at the rollout. So one thing that's clear is that the administration is putting a fair amount of political capital behind this rule. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't have done the rollout on Halloween, though. Uh, to, some, to some extent, this rule seems a lot like the 2016 rule uh, that the, the Fifth Circuit drove a stake through. Um, so I, you know, I was getting comments from from colleagues that to some extent this rule could already be the Walking Dead. Oh, very, very good analogy, um, uh, Kevin. Look, what is the rule? Uh, and we we don't have time to go through five hundred pages of the rule. The rule is very comprehensive. Well, before we go into the rule, why change the rule? What what was the rationale behind the Department of Labor, the president, the executive branch coming up with this rule? So, I mean, you're asking great questions, and if you listen to the the White House and the the rollout, uh, they've described it as being designed to address junk fees. Um, when you look at it, though, it seems in more detail that what's going on is that uh, the Labor Department is frustrated, or the Labor Department seems to want to regulate rollovers and what people do with their money after they leave retirement plans. Uh, you know, the same way as they've regulated what folks can do with their money inside retirement plans. Um, and so going through the, the 500 pages, there's a, a kind of acknowledgement of a tension where, um, you know, the SEC regulates brokers, the SEC through the Advisors Act regulates investment advisors, um, NASA, which is the, the state administration, the state agencies, uh, they regulate the distribution of some products at the state level, and then state insurance regulators govern the distribution of annuities. And you know, these different models come from, you know, Congress chose that the states get to regulate insurance. Uh, Congress created a different framework for brokers than for advisors. And, you know, in, in a way, when you read through the Labor Department's uh, proposal, it seems as though they don't like that framework. Um, they think that it leads to investor confusion and kind of a bifurcation of standards of care where, you know, an advisor is subject to a fiduciary standard, but it's not an ERISA fiduciary standard. A broker is subject to uh, acting in your best interest under regulation, best interest under the states, you've got various fiduciary and best interest standards. Some may still have suitability. Um, and then, you know, insurance, NEIC has proposed a, a best interest standard of its own, which is different from the SEC's best interest standard. Um, and, you know, against that framework, I, DOL's kind of taken it upon itself to be the regulator that, that 
you know, if this was, if this was physics, we'd say, you know, uniform, unified field theory, um, trying to get everything under one standard. Um, and DOL seems to be trying to get everything under one standard uh, when it comes to making decisions or selling products in an IRA. Yeah. So, so now you're the Stephen Hawking of retirement. Is that how I should define you and David? I mean, I, I, I think at, at best I'm, you know, um, uh, Don Quixote. Uh, and maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm even, uh, is it Pancho, his, his companion? Yeah. Pancho Villa. Yes. Um, Kevin, uh, in all seriousness though, I mean, this is a substantive change. You, you mentioned that there are different, um, entities that regulate at the state level, at the federal level. Um, what's been the reaction, uh, from our colleagues, peers in the retirement industry, because there are a lot of them help facilitate rollovers. There's the record keepers. There are advisors, uh, brokers, people that are in the ecosystem helping people move money. There are trade associations that represent different constituencies. Have you have you gotten a flavor for what the feedback has been thus far? It's a bit of deja vu all over again. Um, so the trade groups that were very supportive of the rule in 2015, like the Consumer Federation of America, like the AARP, um, like AFL-CIO, uh, they, they, you know, they were at the White House for the rollout. And for the most part, they've issued statements of support. Uh, talking with, you know, industry trade groups, you know, the insurance-related trades, uh, the, you know, broker-related trades and others, uh, there's some frustration that, you know, from their viewpoint, the Fifth Circuit or courts have already told DOL that, you know, this is going too far. Um, and so it seems like DOL is trying to go there again. Um, and so, you know, I think the the trades on the industry side will try to persuade the Labor Department to, you know, narrow the rulemaking so that, you know, it it serves the goals that ERISA was designed to, you know, promote, um, but so that it doesn't really go beyond the scope of what, you know, Congress intended and, and really interfere with the operation of other regulators' jurisdiction. I mean, it's yeah. going to be, it's a, it's another, it's a contentious political issue, honestly. Um, you know, I, I wish retirement never was political. When I started my career, it seemed like everyone agreed on retirement. You know, more retirement security is better. Um, and now we seem to disagree on how to get there. Yeah, it, 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 it seems a little off-putting when you, you you read some of the contact. Those are my words, not yours. Kevin, I want to take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about what's next for this security role. You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 
33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Well, Kevin, thanks so much for staying with us. Really appreciate you hanging around from for segment number two this morning. It's always good to be here. So I'm happy doing as many segments as your your viewers want. Well, I, I think people are really int intrigued by this. And, and you know, we, we kind of left off with next steps. And I want to ask you, immediately after Secretary Sue, the White House, and the executive branch did their thing, I, I got a press release from Senator Cassidy um, on the rule. And he was, you know, obviously a different party, but and we're not going to get away into the politics, but but there was a little bit of opposition, I, I sense, from the um, uh, from his press release. And we've actually reached out to his office to come on the program to discuss it. But uh, what's next for this piece, this rule? I mean, what has to happen? And, and is this just a repeat of the Fifth Circuit decision? Is that ultimately where this goes? Well, I mean, ultimately, there will be litigation. How that litigation turns out, you know, folks don't know. Um, since 2016, some precedents have changed. Some regulations from other regulators have changed. You know, it, I, I'd hate to tell folks that that litigation about this rule is going to end one way because it could always end the other way. Um, you know, what's next? You know, in the, the last segment, we described kind of the, what the, the painting is, what the rule says. So let's describe kind of the frame that the painting is bolted on here. Um, the rule was published on uh, Friday, November 3rd. So the rule has a 60-day comment period. So basically, if you're an interested commenter, if you're a member of the public, if you're an industry person, if you're a financial institution, you know, between now and January 2nd, folks are going to be busy putting together comment letters to try to persuade the department either to make changes, uh, to stop going forward with it, or to cheer them on and say, this, this makes sense. So, you know, comment letters. Um, you know, additionally, they have to have a hearing. And very oddly here, uh, they're having the hearing during the comment period. Typically, you see it after a comment period, but they've announced that the hearing is going to be in mid-December. So, you know, that'll be another opportunity to engage with the Labor Department. Um, after January, you know, there's going to be a period where the Labor Department works on this rule kind of quality and behind closed doors um, before they go back to the White House and say, hey, you know, we've taken the comments into account. We've addressed them, responded to them, or thoughtfully rejected them. Um, and then we'll see a, a final rule published in all likelihood sometime next spring or summer. Um, the Labor Department has a couple of challenges here, you know, apart from just the process and the thoughtfulness here. Um, one is, you know, you highlighted Congress. You know, Congress has to pass a number of must-pass bills between here and the end of the year. Um, for example, I think November 17th, government funding runs out. Um, so if, if for whatever reason, the government were to stay closed uh, through mid-December, the hearing date would likely get pushed back, which would mess up, um, which would delay the timing somewhat. Um, if a shutdown were to last into January, you know, that again could delay the timing. But also with some of this must-pass legislation, Congress could include things like riders that say, you know, don't move forward with this proposal. You can't use funding for this proposal. Um, if we saw that, you know, it'd be interesting to see how the White House responds. 
Um, if it was attached to something the White House doesn't care about, you could see a veto. If it was attached to keeping the government open, you know, you'd expect that, you know, perhaps would the the agency would be told to stand down. Um, but ultimately, you know, the agency is rushing because there could be a change of administration in 2021. Um, and if that happens, um, you know, two things. One is, you know, Congress could always act to undo the rulemaking. And if a rule gets finished too close to the end of a Congress and there's a change of administration, then, you know, Congress can easily do it because there's a, a no filibuster way to do it. Um, and the other reason they're probably rushing is because if your rule is published in the last 60 days of an administration, then the new administration can just go back and erase it from the Federal Register. So, you know, EPS has given themselves a very tight timeline. Uh, they really only have, you know, 13 and a half months to get rulemaking done. And uh, this would be kind of the fastest that I've seen um, a 500 page proposal go from, you know, soup to nuts. But, you know, they're, they're put together the 500 page proposal. Uh, they very clearly put a lot of thought into it. The White House is clearly putting effort behind this. We're going to have to wait and see, you know, first off, how active commenters are, how much Congress is interested. Um, and also how much weight the administration is really willing to put behind this. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to get a lot of comments just from based on what I'm hearing. Kevin, I want to ask you about SECURE because we've been waiting on regulations for SECURE. How does this impact in any way, this effort, impact any of the regulatory ne uh, needs for SECURE 2.0? Because you, David, and I, we talk about this on a regular basis. There are record keepers and uh, other interested parties that are waiting on regulation around some changes that are actually going to become effective in January of, of 2024. So um, does this in any way impact the Department of Labor's work on that work, on that body of work, those regulations? So I think this is one of the, the frustrations that Congress has at the moment, which is that Congress gave DOL deadlines for a number of SECURE Act provisions. Um, and it looks like many of those deadlines won't be met. Um, and at the same time, you know, there's this big initiative going on um, around, you know, uh, retail recommendations in the retirement space uh, that, you know, wasn't on Congress's agenda. So, you know, some of those deadlines appear to be slipping and, you know, in all likelihood, resources were, were allocated to this initiative. Um, but, you know, ultimately, the agency picks how it's going to spend resources unless Congress comes in and says, you know, you can only use dollars for X, Y, or Z or stop using dollars for X, Y, or Z. Uh, Kevin, last question. There, we've also talked about missing participants. We've also talked about auto rollovers, which I think there's an automated process that happens now where you can roll over money directly from one record keeper to another to facilitate. Would this rule have any impact on any of that work? Or is it really mutually exclusive and, and it wouldn't have any, any impact there at all? Well, so, I mean, it takes resources to the extent that the agency has limited resources, uh, resources that go to this were probably resources that could have been allocated to the retirement lost and found. Um, in terms of, you know, auto portability, auto rollovers, um, you know, I, I think there's an idea that the, the Labor Department wants to do some guidance around uh, prohibited transaction relief with respect to those rollovers. Uh, you know, the group that works on prohibited transactions was probably pretty busy with this proposal because it makes changes to uh, at least six prohibited transaction exemptions. So, you know, I, it, again, it's a, it's a resource allocation issue. Um, this proposal doesn't directly comment on missing participants. It doesn't directly comment on uh, auto portability. But, you know, to the extent that we're looking for guidance on those issues, 
this, you know, the work that was done on this, you know, signals that perhaps folks were working on this instead of those priorities. Yeah, well, clearly Department of Labor episode burning the midnight oil. You can certainly read the uh, press release online if you're so inclined. And if you're like Kevin, you want to read 500 pages of regulations. Hey, have at it because it's all available online. Kevin Walsh, always great to see you. Give my best to your colleague, David Levine. And we look forward to having you both back on the program again very soon. Thank you, Jeff. And thank you, viewers. And that wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more and all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content? Well, then visit our website. We're back again tomorrow with another great edition of BRNAM. We'll have a very special guest and, of course, a great topic. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe. Keep on saving. And don't forget... Roll with the change. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts, so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.